You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Hello, today we are at uh, Intermountain Healthcare in Utah, USA, and uh, I'm very impressed by the way they are doing their improvement work, and I also know that they have a long experience, so it's uh, not for just one year or five years, it's decades they have been working with improvement work. Uh, my name is Nicolina Wackerberg, and I'm a development leader at Culturum, and I'm having a chat here with Eric Henry. Eric, can you introduce yourself? Yes, hi, my name is Eric Henry. I'm an analyst here uh, at the Healthcare Delivery Institute. I've been here uh, with Intermount for about 20 years and in the Institute for uh, about 18 years, um, working with, uh, uh, started with Dr. Brent James and now Dr. Todd Allen and, and others who are doing improvement work and taking our advanced training program. Wow, I'm very privileged that I can have this chat with you. So, so much experience. I'm also very proud of being here. This is a beautiful building. The building we are sitting in, it's, the name is Transformation Center. It's a quite new building. What is this, the, this name, Transformation Center? What does it mean? Yeah, so we just um, moved in this building four or five months ago. And Transformation Center means um, it's a place where we're trying to transform healthcare. So the idea is that we hope to develop here will help to transform the healthcare in the United States. Um, you know, we, we're up against a lot of cost pressures here, uh, uh, costs going up faster than we can sustain, and so we're trying to transform the way that healthcare is delivered, not just in our system, but uh, to be a model uh, for our country. And, and what is the transformation about? Um, it can be um, how we pay for healthcare, how we um, have patients involved in their care journey. Um, it can be just improving our the quality of our care. Um, it's there's no real one way that we're saying this is how we're transforming. It's just uh, we're hoping that as a kind of an administrative building that we're kind of service thought leaders and how we can change change care okay so you are building it on your way the yeah. transformation yes so so you don't have big plans that it will look like this in 20 years no there's no specific like place we're trying to get it's just the philosophy that we're here trying to improve and, and change yeah yeah nice you have been working here for more than 20 years Yes, 20 years next month for the Intermountain Healthcare. Yes. If, if you compare when you started here and now, um, what is the biggest change in your role? How did you start? You are an analyst and, and what are you doing today? Yeah, so when I started cl our clinical programs, which is a big part of what we do here at Intermountain Healthcare, we're uh, divided into a number of clinical programs like cardiovascular, pediatrics, oncology, I've been with women and newborns most of that time. And um, we were all very new in those roles. And we actually, there was only about four clinical programs when I started, and now there's 10. And we kind of um, were just at the infancy of finding what are our big care processes that we do mostly in our hospitals and, and um, 
how can we find little areas we can start having some improvement work that will help you know decrease costs for our patients and improve the quality and um, it's evolved over time and now um, boy really in the last few years we're really changing um, how we're set up we're trying to get more physician involvement now where um, physicians will hold each other more accountable uh, for years we've just relied on um, coming up with best practices and, and hoping that the caregivers throughout our system will just decide that that's the best thing to do and do it where we had no they had no accountability to do it no one's going to force them to do it just because it's the right thing and and it's sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't and so we're trying to uh, hold people more accountable now um, we're trying to really our new CEO really wants us to hone down and 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 work on everything from documentation to, to not just improve our care, but to make sure that we um, have rates that we can compare and be the number one system in the United States on all these external metrics that we can measure as well. So I uh, really focus on being good and uh, showing that, that we're doing well. And how are you showing that? Um, so we've, um, purchased products that help us to benchmark against others. That, um, so like uh, U.S. News and World Report comes out with a, a ranking of hospitals and they give you know stars to hospitals and they want us to be at the top of all those rankings. Okay, okay. So you're an analyst. Yes. And this is a pot for coaches. Um, so I was just wondering um, if you go to a team, you are analyzing data, or, or what, what is your role? Are you a coach or are you an analyst? And do okay. you see the difference? Sure. So our main role is, is our work as an analyst. Um, here at Intermountain Healthcare, we have an advanced training program that uh, we're working with your group right now. And um, people come through and do projects. So all the analysts, when we first start, after we get our bearings, we take the advanced training program ourselves and do our own project and learn how to... Um, do improvement work as well and then over time we become uh, able to consult people we call them consultants same as coaches um, so that when people come through the course they meet with us every time they come they come four different times and we talk them through the process help them understand the data portion which is kind of uh, what we really specialize in but also help them through you know how you can find opportunities for improvement, how you can work through the tools that there are um, so they can have just kind of a little one-on-one -on -one session um, to walk through some of the problems they're having or questions they have about finding ways to improve their process. That sounds wonderful, but it sounds also a little bit tricky um, because I can imagine that you as an analyst, you have a, some kind of language and, and you see things quite easy and, and maybe your team doesn't see the same things that you see. And how, how do you explain what you see and, and is the team open for that, to listen to that? Yeah, they usually are. Um, yeah, obviously as analysts, we have our specialty is, is visualizing data and finding ways to make data tell your story. and. And it actually works really well um, when you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody, you can kind of, you know, draw things out and explain it to them in a way that helps them to understand. Um, do, they, do they always understand? I think most often they do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
um, when you have time, because you're meeting with these people for half an hour to 45 minutes, one-on-one, -on -one, several times, and you have uh, a good opportunity. And they've been learning kind of these concepts in class as well. So it just kind of builds on each other and helps them. Um, okay, so all the teams will meet an analyst. Yes. Wow, that's also impressive. And we've actually learned something from uh, your group that comes through, who um, um, a few years ago we started doing group consults with you, where a group, five or six groups come together and they discuss their projects and they can talk amongst themselves and kind of get that clinical background with an analyst, consultant, coach, meeting with them and giving feedback too. We've now instituted that in our programs as well. We do our individual ones and then we kind of switch it up and put a bunch of them together with an analyst and they help each other with a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way of learning, uh, peer learning and um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, great. So we took that from oh, your group and well, we do it in ours now. Oh, so. so happy to contribute, yes, yeah. yes. Um, today we're also talking a lot about building sustainability, that, that just not start all over again and new projects, but how do you keep one project going and that it really is sustained? Do we have any thoughts about that? Yeah, so um, we really believe that you manage what you measure, so we measure a lot of things that are important to us. Um, there's things that um, when I started in the Healthcare Delivery Institute, almost 18 years ago, I was measuring when I started that we're still measuring. Some things will come and go as um, we feel like we have a handle on it, but um, we've really found that if you stop paying attention to something, you usually uh, you lose some of that momentum you've gained. Okay. Uh, for instance, we were really tracking how we were doing with bilirubins in infants, and we drove our rate down to where it was really rare for somebody to have a high bilirubin. We were testing everybody. We had this algorithm for if they um, had a bilirubin at a certain level, they had to follow up within 24 or 48 hours. And we really made it rare to have a, a bilirubin that would risk uh, serious uh, problems later for the infant. And then we stopped looking at it. And we decided a couple of years later we would check on it and we had gone almost back up to where we had been before we started oh, working on it. Mm. And so um, since then we've kept an eye on it and even if we don't look at it every month, we're looking at it at least every quarter to make sure that we stay uh, at a reasonable rate because uh, it's certainly something we know we can do well when we're paying attention. So. We don't want to lose that focus. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are telling us that we are measuring too much. So take away some measurements. But when I listen to you, you said don't do that because there, there is a risky business. Uh, but maybe keep it just every quarter. Right. So it's hard to look at everything all the time because um, every year we're adding three or four new things to look at. And in the, in the, over you know 15 years that can really add up. So you. You do have to be careful and it takes time and time is money and, and stuff so but if something's truly important um, we'll look at it all the time if or we'll at least keep an eye on it where we're we don't you were telling me we are looking at it who is we sorry we is our um, our clinical program so the women and newborns clinical program we have meetings uh, monthly meetings where we discuss our goals and then look at our progress. So and, and who is in this clinical program? Who are the persons? Um, so we'll have a medical director that's over the clinical program, an operations director, an analyst, a data manager, and then we'll have representatives from our, we have about 23 hospitals. 
So we'll have representatives from um, all the major hospitals and then from representatives from you know, maybe rural regions, um, both nursing and physician. So, so, so you are keeping on track of all those 23? Yes. Okay, okay. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and how do you know that what you are doing is having, uh, is making an impact on patients? Um, we try to, a lot of our measures um, in our clinical programs are, we try to come up with things that help patients, that improve the quality of care. We'll have a little bit of a focus on, you know, financial things, but uh, more of our focus is, uh, as we sit around and think about what we're going to measure, is on how can we improve quality, how can we uh, make sure we're not having bad events, um, that uh, people are going home healthy. And in women and newborn, it's not about saving lives as much as cardiovascular clinical program is, um, but we do a lot of births in our system, so it's, you know, roughly 30,000 births, so we can do things that affect a lot of people. Yeah, and patient experience, how, how do you measure that? Um, it's, it's been a different department that measures patient experience, although we're, um, there's talk of us getting involved in that. Um, we have an uh, Office of Patient Experience that uh, does look at that, but I'm not Okay. Best person to talk about that. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe I can have an interview with them. Yes. Um, so the sustainability you are telling me you have to measure to keep things sustained. Is there some other thing, another option, how to keep improvement sustained? Um, in, when uh, people are engaged and find success, um, sometimes that's enough. Yeah. So if uh, We've had people who've had experience that have really got on board. For instance, one of the things we've worked on for a, a long time is decreasing early elective deliveries. We had a real culture here of delivering babies at the doctor and mother's convenience um, a little bit too early. And most of the time with a baby, if they're born at 37 or 38 weeks, they're going to be fine. And so a doctor could be doing that for years and not have a problem. And so a lot of them kind of pushed back that they'd rather do it when it's, you know, women like to schedule their hair and their nails and they could just schedule their delivery too, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, let's do it when it's convenient for both the doctor and the, the mom. But um, when we looked at it in aggregate, looked at all the data, we found that there was really a big difference. Um, well, you could do 100 deliveries and not see one, somebody else may, may see a couple. And, and we were able to show that, and, and there's some doctors that, there's one in particular that was on one of our development teams that really was having a hard time buying into this one, because he had delivered lots of babies at 38 weeks without a problem. And then his, uh, his daughter had a baby, and he induced her early, and she had a pretty bad outcome. Okay. <laughs> and, and he realized that he probably contributed to that by oh. not following the, the, the guidelines. And um, we don't have to monitor him anymore, right? No. So um, sometimes when people can see the result or see a positive impact or see a better cost or outcome for their, for their patients, if they see that, then they maybe don't need to see the data all the time. 
but if they haven't, um, sometimes we have to keep showing. Yeah, now, now you are telling me the relationship between the number and the story. Yes. So it, it's not only the measurement, but can you connect it to, to your daughter or to your grandma or whatever? So you, you are connecting the heart with the numbers. Yeah. Um, then you can build sustainability. Um, is there something else? I, I just try to dig in this, <laughs> this secret of how can we sustain improvement. Um, we have a culture here now after, you know, 25 years of, of working yep. on this, led by Dr. Brent James so many years ago, that, um, you know, people, there's turnover and people come and go, but there's an embedded culture of doing improvement in our organization. And, and when you develop that, um, it becomes easier to, to get it done. We talk to a lot of people from places that come through ATP that, that don't have that culture and they're just really struggling to do something simple. And, and I think once you get past that and people have seen success in, in other areas even, um, then they, they're a lot more likely to buy in early and become those early adopters instead of the laggards that don't want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I recognize when I'm here that everybody is so curious and, and everybody's having the drive, we can do better. Even if you are very good at this moment, no, it's not enough. We can do we can do better, and that that's a very nice feeling that people are not going in defense. They are just yeah yeah. This is what we do today, but tomorrow we can do better. Yes, I, yeah. I think that's a wonderful culture that you had to, that you managed to get here. Yeah, when we first started the clinical program, I came out and we were pretty early on. Um, we'd set goals, and sometimes if somebody was already doing pretty well at at a certain measure we would set a little easier goal for them because they're already doing well. But we found out um, over time that a lot of times those places that were doing well could do even better. Yeah, yeah. They'd, they'd improve more than places that weren't doing well because they'd already kind of bought into it. And um, that was an interesting thing for them to kind of discover over time that just because we're already good at something doesn't mean we can't do better. Yeah, yeah. And I find this here in the on every word, and everybody is talking that way. That yeah. yeah, so that that's a very nice culture. Okay, Eric, thank you so much. I I think there were wonderful lessons here for <laughs> our coaches, and um, I hope to see you another time again. Yes, thank absolutely. you so much. Thank you. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.